in, at Rosh Hashanah, um, this is one thing that I've heard. I've never been to a Rosh Hashanah celebration, so I can't actually confirm this. But I believe that they typically eat the heads of fish. And the reason they do this is so that they do things so they can make certain declarations. And they eat the head of the fish, and then they all declare, I am the head and not the tail. So, um, so we're going to make that declaration together. Ready? Three times we're going to say it together. And I want you to just let this go into your spirit, okay? I am the head, not the tail. I am the head, not the tail. I am the head, not the tail. All right, so take that with you. I used to pray that a lot of mornings, actually, driving to school with my mom. Um, we had all these prayers that we had memorized, and they had just, like, full of scriptures, and that was one of them. I am the head, not the tail. I am above, not beneath. I will try to walk as Jesus walked, knowing that he will surround me and keep me. Okay, I'm probably, like, slightly messing it up. But, um, <laughs> but there were a bunch of those prayers that I had memorized through school just because um, I had a good mama. So, um, let me make sure I'm like in the screen here. Yes, cool. Um, so I just want to talk for a few minutes this morning. I really am going to be brief about the idea of brotherly love. And I, this is just a continuation of the series that we've been, we've been talking through. But I told, uh, I told Jordan last night, I knew I was going to talk about something uh, along the lines of love. And I had even been thinking about like unity. But last night, the, the, um, the words brotherly love just kept coming to my mind. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I just, like, sometimes you just go to Google and you just type something in, you know, like, scriptures about brotherly love. So I decided I was going to go type that, scriptures about brotherly love. And I went to Google, and I typed scriptures about, and you know how there's, like, a drop-down menu of, like, a bunch of, you know, the most common options? The only drop-down item before I typed a B was scriptures about brotherly love. Literally, there were no other search options, and I, and I have not typed that recently. I was like, Whoa, okay. I mean, there's no one can convince me that's a top search option on scriptures about. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Just a confirmation for me. Um, so let me get my notes here. I had that scripture up. Prophetic Google, yeah. It's pretty cool. We could, we could maybe sell that as a church if we can create one. Maybe God doesn't like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'll bless any step we take. Good point, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> um, so I just want to read to you guys from Romans 12 and offer a few thoughts about brotherly love and um, just hope that this can be really practical and quick and that you can walk away with some, st some thoughts that you can actually go try to live out. Um, I'm going to start in, actually, I always take all the verse numbers out of my scriptures. Sorry for that. But it, like, somehow makes me feel better that I'm just reading a letter and not, like, reading verse 5, you know? So I think this is somewhere around verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Um, so the, the first half of this is the part that initially stuck out to me for this morning. Um, when it starts going through this list, um, I think of this as really encouraging because what, um, what Romans is encouraging us to do here is not to operate out of our weakness. It's not to operate out of something that seems horribly uncomfortable for you, although God might ask you to take steps of faith sometimes. But this, this first encouragement is simply to use the gift that you have grace on in your life. And that, that's really simple and really beautiful because if each of us actually put into use the main gifts that God's given us and put grace on in our lives, um, then it starts to, starts to make a really nice, beautiful picture that, that God is putting together. And, you know, a, the context of this, um, throughout this chapter, many times it mentions to do things cheerfully, not to do things slothfully, but to do them with zeal. And so I would encourage you this morning to just begin to think, maybe, maybe you haven't thought about this in a while, but I want you to just ask God, like, God, what's the one gift? I'm gonna, we're going to stop in a second and just ask God this. But what's the one gift that you're highlighting in my life that you've put a special grace on? Because there's something that God's put in your life that you have a grace for that no one else sitting here has the same grace for, okay? And we desperately need that. Like, I know that I'm saying stuff that you've heard before, but it doesn't mean God can't highlight it now. Like, there's something in your life that God's going to highlight and that he's putting a special grace on. And he wants you to use it cheerfully and on purpose. It says not to do it slothfully. That means not waiting until an idea slaps you across the face. Like, oh, I guess I better go do this. Like, um, I mean, for me, like one of my gifts is prophesying. And sometimes I, I am lazy and I wait around until some really strong unction hits me in the gut. And then I say, okay, fine, God, and I go give a word. And other times in my life, I sit and I ask God, God, what do you want, what do you want me to share today? You know, and the amount that God uses that is dramatically different just between the idea of me recognizing what my gift is and asking God, okay, God, I'm aware that you gave me this gift. How can I use it today? Um, and I think that the amount of fruit that will come from your life if you do that one simple thing, identify a gift, ask God how to use it today, is totally dramatic. It's very simple, but it's totally a dramatic difference. Um, and, you know, I love how this list of things includes the most basic things. And, um, you know, there's no hierarchy here. Like, it's not like, oh, that guy prophesied and, and prophecy is is uh, the third best on the list and, and generosity is fifth best on the list. No, like God gave you a grace for something and he's honoring you um, whenever you choose to use that and step into it. Um, the second half of this, I'm going to read it one more time, the second half of this um, passage. Let love be genuine. It skips forward. Let w love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. Um, I read, I was reading N.T. Wright one day, and all of you should read N.T. Wright if you don't. But um, I was reading N.T. Wright one day, and, and he mentioned this idea. He said, let, let love be genuine. He said, I mean, this is the word agape. And he says, we should assume that this re word refers not just to the feelings that Christians have for one another, but to the care for each other that marked the early church. 
Um, and this, this agape love, if you look at how this played out in the early church, it's pretty stunning. And you'll notice that the, the scriptures say things like um, that their love for one another is, or is why people join the church, or how will people know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Um, and their love for each other was totally over the top. You know, it was, it was every day. It wasn't sporadic. It was constant. It was being willing to, um, to give whatever they had for the other person's need. And we've become very self-sufficient people. Um, at times selfish and at times um, too proud to, to admit what we need. And God's made us a family. God's made us um, something much deeper than feeling uh, people who love each other out of feeling. But he's made us people who are willing to give our lives for each other. And I feel like that that's what this call is to the idea of brotherly love. Here, when it says, uh, th- this is one of the scriptures that has stuck out to me most, even in the last couple weeks. Love one another with brotherly affection. Like I just can't, I keep thinking about that. Um, th- this is the this is a different word for love because somewhere some places this is translated brotherly love, but it's a different love. It's the word Philadelphia, um, which you can see that the city was named after. Um, but it. it is translated basically the affection of a family that comes with long familiarity and deep bonds. The, the, the affection of a family that comes with long familiarity and deep bonds. Love one another with brotherly affection. I feel like when we hear the words love one another with brotherly affection, we kind of we, we water it down. We're like, yeah, you're my bro, you know, Ryan, high five. We do long hugs and we consider that brotherly affection. But I think that God is saying, like, you need to reconsider what this idea of loving one another with brotherly affection is. So this morning, as I think all of us have good thinking times in the shower, and so I was taking a shower, and I was just thinking on these words, and I started thinking about my brother. Um, And Toby, if you're out there, I love you. He's on? Okay. Much love, my friend. Okay. Um, I started thinking about my brother and how I love my brother. And... The amount that I would do for my brother is ridiculous. Like, the amount that I would, like, if my brother needed money, I would empty my bank account. You know what I mean? If my brother needed um, help with something and I was busy, I would stop whatever I was doing because he needed my help. I would incon- the, the amount of inconvenience that you will go to for someone that you love that is maybe your brother or your sibling or your family member, maybe even your best friend, whoever you would put on this level, the, I'm going to guess that the amount of trouble that you would go to just because they asked or just because they needed help is quite ridiculous. Um, if, if there's virtually anyone on the planet that I would just do anything for, it's Toby, you know. And I think that this is, a, this is not just like a saying. This is a challenge. This is, this is a difficult call-up to how we love one another. Um, whenever you have to look around and you say, you know what, I've decided to be in a church with you, and therefore I'm going to love you with brotherly love, that's a statement. And so I want you to think right now just about um, the way that you love people and what standard you've 
called yourself to? What standard you've accepted to be the acceptable standard of love? And then I want you to compare it to the way that you feel toward maybe your closest family member. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take just a moment of, of quiet right now, and I'm going to let you think about that, and I'm going to let you, in that context, ask God, God, what gifts have you given me that I have grace on? Um, and I just want to, I'm going to talk for a minute after that, but I just want you to go ahead and stop and ask God that. Okay, so again, just one more minute. Ask God, God, what gifts have you given me that I have grace on? And how am I, how am I pouring those out on the people that are around me? How many of you have one particular gift that you're like, okay, I know, I know a, a gift that God's given me that I'm supposed to use that's unique? Okay, so... And if, if you don't know that, if you're not sure what it is, then like, I'm not going to give 10 minutes here today, but go home and just sit quietly and ask God, God, what's my gift? You have one. Um, so I'm going to jump in scripture just a little bit, but um, I was just praying about like, I was like, God, show me a picture of like, how do, how do I understand love? And, um, and I ended up, God ended up taking me to Psalm 46, and this is just a picture of what I think of whenever I think of how God's love works. Um, so I want to share it with you, and I feel like it's just kind of a prophetic picture that God's given me um, to connect these two ideas. Psalm 46 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So when I think of this concept of the river, which th this concept really flows through the whole, whole of Scripture. It really starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation, and there's all kinds of references to rivers in between, and a lot of them refer to each other in some way. Um, I think of this river that's described in Revelation that flows from the throne of God. Um, this river in the context of Psalm 46, is believed by most to represent the presence and the grace of God. It flows from divine love. It is, this river is an abundance of the Spirit, okay? Um, this river is the water of life, and it brings growth to every place that it goes. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute, and I want you to imagine something. I want you to just get a picture of God's throne, and I want you to just imagine this river, this huge river flowing out directly from God's throne. And now I want you to imagine that there are just these huge branches of this river that go off in different directions. God's grace to the different nations, okay? Huge branches. And I want you to imagine from these branches that you see streams going out in each direction. The scripture says that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And I want you to imagine that eventually that one of these streams lands right where you are. And I want you to imagine yourself as a well and that the stream runs into your well and that your well slowly fills to the top 
until it overflows and then the stream continues downriver. So this is, you can open your eyes. This is what I imagine love to look like. I imagine... flowing to each of us until within us, he digs a well. Within us, he, um, he indwells us, right? He indwells us. So we're never looking for, it's kind of like the word I was giving you, Lindsay. We're never looking for a stream to come pouring in from the outside, but God has now uh, dug a well in us so deep and so full that now we only have to look within us to find God, to find this stream, this river, that will make glad the city of God. So I just want to talk about what I think that that means. Um, another one of these scriptures that comes to mind as I'm, as I'm reading this is it's, uh, there's a scripture that says, he that believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, right? But we know that we're not the original source. We're just in, we're just in the, the middle of the current of God's, God's flow. Um, it says it will make glad the city of God. So I think that this means that the river makes glad the hearts of God's people. It makes glad the growth of God's kingdom. It, it, makes, um, it makes God happy as he sees new places rife with new life. Okay? Just, it, that's what happens when water goes places, right? Things grow. New life comes forth. We have all these analogies in Scripture. We have things like fruits of the Spirit, okay? Like fruits don't come. They don't grow on plants that don't have water, okay? So I want you to imagine that as, as this river flows and it flows through you and then it goes out to others, that all of a sudden um, through this river of love and your outpouring of love, that's where the fruits of the Spirit originate. And a lot of times we find ourselves in places where we don't see enough, very many fruits of the Spirit in our own lives, and we get kind of down about it. Um, and in my personal life, I can tell you that normally the way that I start to recognize them again is someone pours some water into my life. Like I, something's happened and I've gone dry and I don't really know how to fix it. And then someone pours some new living water in my life and I'm like, oh, look, more fruit, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm healthy and I'm okay and I can go do the same. And it, it, it's a cycle, right? And so... My encouragement to you is if you're dry, then go to someone who you think might have living water and just say, hey, I don't have any fruit. Like, what do you have for me? You know, and, and then if, if you are not dry, then somebody is, okay? Somebody's sitting right here. Just someone right around you right now is dry. And if we don't understand this concept of brotherly love and being willing to seek out where we can help, not slothfully, but with zeal, with cheer, to be able to seek out how can I help and how can I love helping you? How can I be glad that I get to help you as my brother, as my sister? Um, we get to pour living water into each other's lives and that fruit that has maybe shriveled and died, it pops right back up, okay? This is a lot of times really simple as long as we're not lazy and we're intentional. Um, and it finishes by saying, God is within her. She will, not, she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. And 
to me, this is just represents the constants of God's river flowing into your stream. It's just constant. It never happens. And it says he will be with her at the break of day. What that means is at the perfect time. Like you're never going to be left wondering like, oh God, you should have showed up by now and you didn't show up. Like God's timing will always be perfect. It will always be constant. It will always be there. The flow will always be there if you're willing to be filled. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to close with this idea. Um, I find that in ministry opportunities, there are these moments where there's like, like a special anointing. There's this special like, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about when I say like, something just wells up in you and you know you have like a special grace for this person, you know? And there's this thing that comes with maturity and I don't, that I can probably explain it somehow scripturally, but I'm not sure how to right now. I'm just going to tell you how it feels in my life. There's this thing that comes as we get more mature that allows us to access that anointing and that grace at will. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't need God's presence. I'm saying as we walk in God's presence, that it's so constant that um, sometimes you're like, you know what? Like, I need some of that extra anointing right now. Like, I can tell you that sometimes this happens when I'm like, if I'm leading worship and like, I don't know, it just, it's dead. And you just know that it's like not working and everyone's looking at you like, yeah, we want to be Christians, but we're not feeling it. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Me too. And then like, there's something in me sometimes in that moment that goes, well, just access the well. And I reach down in me, and I, and, and I draw something up from the well, and I'm like, well, like, I know God's put this anointing in here. Like, does this make sense? I don't know. And then, like, something, I don't sing any differently, but somehow I sing differently or whatever. And, it, like, there's just something that comes out, and I know, like, oh, when I pull that thing out, then all of a sudden people start encountering the presence of God. Um, and sometimes I'm lazy, and I don't choose to pull it out. Does that make sense? And so, like, I feel like that we have this obligation to each other in brotherly love um, to give each other the best from our well, to give each other the best draw of anointing that God's placed inside of us. And maybe some of you are like, hey, I don't really know what you mean. Like, I haven't felt that. And that's okay. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to, at the end of this, I'm going to ask God to even allow you to experience what I'm talking about. But I want to encourage all of you, and especially those of you who would say that you're mature in Christ, start digging deeper in your well of grace for people. Um, like, you would dig deep in your well of grace for your brother or your sister if you knew that they needed it. So I'm encouraging you to expand that familial boundary. Like, like you're my brother, and you're my sister, and you're my brother, right? I mean, we, I could go down and say that to every person. And if I can if I can get my heart to the point where my heart agrees with that, then now I'm more willing and more intentional to reach down in my well of anointing and say, I have a grace for this one thing. I may not have everything for you, but I have, I have a grace to make your heart want to worship. So here you go. You know, like you might have a grace to make someone feel loved or welcomed or like they're a part of something or like they have importance. And so Whenever you 
Randy, pull out of your gut. You need to feel important today. And you know what? I have an anointing for that. Boom. Here you go. And all of a sudden, like, it totally changes people's reality. All of a sudden, fruit starts going where they weren't watering it. You know what? You watered it for them. And, and new fruit comes. So my encouragement is let's just dig deep in this well that God is constantly pouring into us. And let's go over the top to serve each other with brotherly love. And I'm going to encourage you to just, I mean, do that this week. Just pick one thing and just say like, okay, I'm going to do this this week in my attempt to go over the top with brotherly love. So um, if you'll close your eyes, I just want to um, impart that grace to you. Um, God, I pray that you would, that you would deepen wells right now. And God, that you would, um, whatever that thing is that allows us to feel uh, the anointing and, and pull it up out of the living water that you've placed inside of us, God. Let everyone feel that right now. God, I just pray right now, just as I say these words, that people would just feel in their gut an anointing and that they would recognize just where that is within them, that they'd be able to pull it out by your grace. God, give new abundance into each life. And let us love one another truly, God, not in word, not in emotion, but God, let us love each other like we would love a brother. In Jesus' name, amen.